Our Bible reading this morning is from Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 to 28. In my thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kiba River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kiba River, in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was upon him. I looked, and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The centre of the fire looked like glowing metal, and in the fire was that what looked like four living creatures. In appearance their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side each had the face of a lion and on the left the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They had two wings spread out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz and all four looked alike. Each appearance to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creatures moved, the wheels beside them moved, and when the living creatures rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, and the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When the creatures moved, they also moved. When the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheels rose along with, rose along with them, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out, one toward the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then there came a voice from above the vault, 
over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and from there, from there down, he looked like fire, and brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. I'm on. Good. Hey, good to see you. My name is Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church, Paraka. Great to be with you. Happy Mother's Day uh, to all the mums out there. I want to tell you what I know. Say, so. oh, let me tell you what I love about my mum. Um, she was very uh, like caring. Um, you know, when you were sick, you wanted mum to be the one to to be there. Um, no offense to dad, but <laughs> mum was the one you were looking for. Mum had lots of time for us as kids. I reckon I learned to first play cricket because my mum was the one who was prepared to just run up and bowl me a few balls with a tennis ball and hit him with the bat. But um, can I say, as a growing preteen boy, I loved that my mum knew how to fill my belly. What 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 does a growing preteen boy want when they come home from school at like three thirty? Food and every day, Mum had something there for us, and it wasn't always the same. Well, here's a bit of bread, make yourself a sandwich. She used to make all sorts of stuff. But the thing I really loved, you knew it was a good day when you'd come home and Mum had made pikelets. You could smell it as you as you walked in the front door. You know those little pancake things, and we'd eat them with jam and cream. That was a good day. Um, I actually vividly remember coming home from school one particular afternoon, and Mum had made pikelets, and so we're there, we're kind of scoffing them down. Me and my brother, my sister was probably there somewhere, but um, uh, as we're eating, though, um, a storm rolled through, and where I grew up in Coffs Harbour, this wasn't especially, you know, different or, or unusual. Um, but you know, the storm goes on, and it gets, got a little bit more intense. Than you, and it's, it's as if like the heart of the storm part was passing right over top of us, until suddenly, like boom, this this lightning cracked. I saw it out the corner of my eye, really close to us, and and, and that was intense. Like the, it 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 changed the, the 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 light of everywhere around us. But the real thing that hit you was the thunder just coming out from booming out. And I literally, I fell on my knees then. <laughs> it was intense. The, the lightning, it actually struck only about 20 meters away from where we were. It, it killed the tree that it hit. It killed a bunch of TVs and other electronics nearby. It was, if I'm honest with you, quite terrifying. Uh, today, we're starting a series in the book of Ezekiel. I've called the series, The Glory of the Lord. And today, as we start, that's exactly what Ezekiel sees. He catches a glimpse of the glory of the Lord. And it knocked him to his knees. And, and we get to look on. It's like we, 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 get, we get to see through Ezekiel's eyes and see what he saw. And see God himself. And the question that we're left with is, does God do that for us? Does God knock us to our knees? Is our vision of God big enough, given who God truly is? 
Okay, that's where we're headed today. And so we're beginning in chapter 1. And in chapter 1, we meet Ezekiel. Um, he is a, a Jewish guy. He lived about 600 years before Jesus, so kind of 2,600 years ago. Um, he's a Jew, but he's not living in the land of Judah. He's not living in the land of Israel. He's living in exile. He'd been taken to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, if you're wondering. Uh, he was taken there in, in 597 B.C., along with 10,000 other Jewish people taken to exile by the Babylonians. And he's been there some time. Uh, it's about the fifth year of his time there. And one day Ezekiel just decides to wander down to this place called the Kiba River. If you're wondering, it's a little river that flows off of the big, the giant Euphrates River. And it's there down by the river, we read in Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, that the heavens were opened... And Ezekiel saw visions of God. I wonder, have you ever wondered what it would be like to meet God? What he would look like? What he would say? What, what your response to seeing all this would be? Here today, through the eyes of Ezekiel, we do. We catch a glimpse of God. And it starts, though, in a surprise way. It starts with a storm. He sees a windstorm coming from the north. But as we get more and more detail about this windstorm, we see it's no mere windstorm. It's not even, it's not even uh, like a, a cyclone or a hurricane. It's much bigger than that. Even in verse 4 you see this. The, the cloud is immense. There's lightning flashing around. There's brilliant light surrounding it. And in fact, it's, it's not just a, a, a cloud. It's made of fire, a gleaming metal firestorm just try and picture that coming towards you the sky is dark and and it's not just a dark rain cloud but a, a cloud full of a great firestorm oh, that would be enough to frighten the pants off you right but we get more detail about this and it's like ezekiel he describes what he's seeing and he starts from the outside of this great firestorm cloud and he moves into the center so he starts off on the outside, and he sees these things in, in the firestorm. Verse 5, he calls them living creatures. And you think, well, that's not really helpful, is it? Like, there are lots of different living creatures out there. What does he mean by this? But then he goes on to describe what these living creatures look like. And, well, what else can you call them? Because they're nothing like you've ever seen before. They're, they're scary-looking things. They're standing there in a, like a square formation around the edge. Um, and they look like human, but, but then they've got four faces. In verse 10, one's the face of a lion, the, the highest of the wild animals. One's the face of an ox, the highest of the domesticated creatures. One's the face of an eagle, the, the highest of the, the, the creatures in the air. And one's the face of a human, the highest of all God's creatures. So these four-faced creatures are there. And they each have four wings. They use two to fly, and they cover themselves up with two. and and, and they've got arms and hands. And verse 13, they, they themselves look like they're made of fire. And there's fire moving between them. And lightning is flashing all around them. And, and they themselves move as quick as lightning. It's, it's seriously scary stuff, these animals, these creatures. Uh, if you read on in Ezekiel, eventually you get to chapter 10 and you see this, these, these, these living creatures again, except in chapter 10 they're called uh, cherubim, which makes us sound not quite right to us. Like We think of 
we hear that word and we probably think of little cherubs, like those fat, tubby babies in, in, in you know, what I'm talking about. But th- they're not anything like that at all. These, these are enormous, like, angelic beings. These are like, think of huge, hulking bodyguards. That's, that's more the picture, not the kind of thing you'd ever want to mess with. And then in verse 15, Ezekiel sees wheels. Uh, each, four, four of these wheels, one beside each of the living creatures. And you think, well... I mean, that's a little bit of a letdown, isn't it? You've just seen these big, bulking bodyguards, and now there's wheels? Um, But as you read on, they're not normal wheels either. Verse 16, they look like precious stone, and they sparkle. And it's not just one wheel either. It's, it's, It's a wheel intersecting a wheel, which means this thing can go any way it wants. It can even fly when the living creatures fly. In verse 18, the, the, the wheels, they're big, they're, their rims are high and awesome, and there's eyes all around the outside of these wheels. It's like saying they can, they can, they can go anywhere, and they can see everything. And then Ezekiel tells us, it's not just like some living creatures and, and wheels kind of standing around on their own. This is actually, this is a, a grand chariot amongst the firestorm. High above the heads of the creatures on on the wheels is a, a vault in verse 22, an expanse, something firm. It's, it's the platform of this chariot. And even in the midst of a firestorm, this platform shines and sparkles like crystal. And, and then the, 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 you see that the chariot, it, it moves around. And, and when it does, you can't miss it. The, the, the living creatures move, the wheels go with them, and the sound is incredible. Have you ever heard the sound of like, rushing, gushing water? Not just that trickling stream that you might get on the meditative soundtrack, but, but, but gushing water that, that floods everything inside. It's got a sound to it. Have you ever heard that? I don't think I have properly. Uh, but my in-laws, my wife's parents, they live in uh, country New South Wales, uh, and they have like a little hobby farm there. And down the back, it's not you can't really see it from their place, but down the back they've got a little uh, a river that runs by. A couple of years ago, everything around there flooded, and I mean it, it wasn't just a flood; it was it was this one of the bad floods. It cut them off for a little while. And my in-laws, they talked about hearing the the river. Despite the rain bucketing down on the roof, they could still hear the river gushing with water so strong that it pushed giant boulders that you could hear going along the bottom of the riverbed. That was gushing water. It's, 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 that's what the sound is when this firestorm chariot moves. Verse 24, it's like the roar of rushing waters. It's like the voice of God Almighty. It's like the sound of an army going into battle. It's jaw-dropping what we're catching here, friends. Not just what you see, but, but even what you hear. Ezekiel is describing this, this great firestorm chariot, and he starts from the outside, and, and then he gets to the, 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 the center. We've seen the bulking bodyguards and the wheels and the platform, and then we see what's at the top, the pinnacle of Ezekiel's vision, and he sees God. 
It starts when he hears a voice from above the chariot platform in verse 25. But instead of, of, of describing what the voice says, Ezekiel describes what he sees. Verse 26, there's a throne on the chariot made of precious stone. And there's a human kind of person on the throne. Verse 27, from the waist up, he's, he's, he's glowing metal, full of fire. And then from the waist down, it's, it's just like he's, it's, it's fire. There's great light surrounding him, like the radiance of a rainbow. But then, as Ezekiel's describing it, it's, it's all too much. You know, when he described the, the wheels in the living creature, Ezekiel gave so much detail. It's like this, and there's eyes, and they've got all these faces. But then he starts to describe the one on the throne, and it's all too much. He, he just can't put words into it. And so he stops. Here is Ezekiel's vision, a great firestorm chariot for God. And it's right for us to, for us to pause there and say, what, what, what have we seen? Here on the outskirts, surrounded by four living creatures, these cherubim of heaven, big, bustling bodyguards. Not that God needs bodyguards because he's, he's weak and needs protection, but it shows the, the power of God that, that look how big and incredible these living creatures are and who do they take their orders from? From God. We've seen the, the, the wheels of God's chariot, intersecting wheels that can go anywhere, showing us God's omnipresence, that there is nowhere we can go to escape him. God is everywhere. Wheels covered in eyes that see everything, reminding us of God's omniscience, that, that, that he sees and knows everything. And then when it comes to describing God, Ezekiel is left without any words to use. How do you do this? There's barely any detail at all. All he can do is try to sum it up. And there's this amazing sentence in, in verse 28. What have, we, what have we seen here? What are we looking at? Verse 28. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. The vision is, is breathtaking. But friends, we haven't even seen God yet. We haven't even seen God's glory. All we've seen is the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And even that is utterly stunning, isn't it? At the end of all this, there's really one simple question to ask. Having seen this, having caught a glimpse of the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God, how do you feel? How, how are we meant to feel after we've seen this? Surely, surely this leads us to be in awe of God. The God we meet here in Ezekiel 1, he is awesome. We've probably, in today's world, undervalued that word awesome a little bit. Uh, you know, did you see the crows last night? Not that they played last night. Did you see the crows last night? They won. Wasn't it awesome? How's your KFC today, Jake? Oh, it's awesome. 
No. Let's be, fried chicken isn't awesome, is it? Tasty, maybe. Not awesome. When we sit with Ezekiel here, though, and we see God, he is awesome. He is breathtaking. We're filled with wonder and amazement at who he is. Our jaws are on the floor in the presence of God. Did you catch the, the coronation ceremony last week? Anyone? A couple of people? A couple of nods, yeah. It's full of pomp and pageantry, right? People lining the streets, um, the military horse riders, the gold-looking chariot, the robes, the scepter, the crown, all the jewels. And all of this, it's there, and it's supposed to fill us with awe at our new king. Look at this guy. He is our leader now. Let's be honest. Is anyone really in awe of King Charles? No. The God of the Bible we meet here, we see him through the eyes of Ezekiel. He is awesome. In his power and majesty. Aren't you in awe, friends, of this God? And there's something else we catch of God here too. When we, when we see God here, quite frankly, it's, it's a little bit scary. You get, you get a sense of, 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 of fear. When you see this firestorm chariot that, God's right, that God rides, it's right for us to feel somewhat terrified of him. I mean, just look at what happens in Ezekiel. He sees the vision of God, and in verse 128, it says, he, Ezekiel says, when I saw it, I fell face down. And then later on, when the vision is completely finished towards the end of chapter 3, look at what Ezekiel says. This is chapter 3, verse 15. He says, um, I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv near the Kiba River. And there where they were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. This is no ordinary experience here. To see God as he truly is, is, it's, it's terrifying. You know, in chapters 2 and 3, God commissions Ezekiel to be his prophet. Chapter 1, Ezekiel sees what God is like. He sees the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. Then in chapters 2 and 3, you hear the voice of God. And God tells Ezekiel, you're going to be my prophet. Now, you're going to go to my people, to the to people of Judah, and you're going to speak my words. And God tells Ezekiel, this is going to be hard because, because the people are obstinate, is the word God uses. They, they're not going to pay attention to what you say. They're not going to listen. And so it, it will carry a certain amount of, of fear for you. It'll be scary. No one likes speaking an unpopular message, do they? No one likes being rejected because of what they say. But that's what's in store for Ezekiel. Rejection again and again. So what does God say to him? Chapter 2, verse 6. And you, son of man, this is the way God often addresses Ezekiel, calls him son of man. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid. Though briars and thorns are all around and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they're a rebellious people. Or again, chapter 3, verse 9. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are rebellious people. You see, Ezekiel is sent 
to, 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 a, uh, to a people, to a nation that will not listen to him by and large. But he's not to be afraid of them. And why not? Because he has seen already the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And that is the terrifying thing. Don't be afraid of people. Fear God. I think there's something in that for us too, isn't there? Not to fear people, but God. And the thing is, if we're going to understand the book of Ezekiel, we first need to understand the God we meet in Ezekiel. He is awesome. He is glorious. And yes, in his greatness, he is terrifying. And until we grasp that, so much of what is to come won't make sense. This is the foundation of the book. That God is glorious and there is no other like him. But for these last few moments, I just want to ask, what does this mean for us today? I've got two things here. Firstly, should we be terrified of God? Yes, we should. Because the God we meet in Ezekiel chapter 1 is still the God of the world today. But I want to unpack that a little bit more too. Um, I started by talking about the storm uh, uh, that that happened when I was a kid. Lightning struck, boom, it's terrifying. And and I was terrified because in in that moment, that, that storm, that lightning, it had immense power, right? And it is uncontrollable. Well, the humans have tried to, 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 to catch lightning and use it to, as electricity, but we can't do it. Lightning is just, it's uncontrollable for us. So, so what, if, if, what if I accidentally found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time? I, I, like, the lightning would destroy me. Through Ezekiel's eyes here, we've seen the terrifying God. That when Ezekiel comes in front of him, Ezekiel falls face down. Because God has immense power, like the lightning. But in fact, God has more power than the lightning. Think about it, because God is the one who sends the lightning. God is the one who made the lightning. God is immensely powerful. And if I'm not terrified by that, then quite frankly, I haven't grasped who God truly is. But God is also not like the lightning. I, I feel unsafe around the lightning because... Well, I don't know if it will break out against me. But with God, I know I am safe. I know he won't turn against me in, in wrath or in judgment to, spite, to, to smite me. And I have confidence in this because of Jesus. I do deserve God's wrath. I do deserve his punishment. If you knew me as well as God does, you would know that about me too. In fact, that's what, it's, that's what things are like for all of us. I do deserve God's wrath and judgment, but Jesus takes that on himself so that I don't have to. God is terrifying because of his immense power. Yes. 
And yet I'm also safe with him because of what Jesus has done. So the question for us to reflect on then is, do we have a right fear of God? I think sometimes we can swing one way or the other. I fear God. I'm terrified of him because who knows what he could do to me? No, no, you're safe with God if you're in Jesus. You can swing the other way though. I'm in Jesus. God, God will never come against me in wrath or judgment. No, no, no. But do you realize he is still to be feared? The immense power of God is not someone to mess with. Honor him, friends. Have you got a right fear of God? A second reflection for us. Um, have you heard you've, heard, you've heard, you know who Abraham Lincoln is, right? A, a United States, president of the United States. He was a president during the Civil War in the U.S. And at a time, apparently this story is true, at a time when the war was not going very well for, for him, uh, a, a woman came and apparently she asked him this question. Sir, are you confident that God is on our side? A good question to ask, right? Because surely if God is on your side, then you can't lose. But do you know what Lincoln is supposed to have said in response? He said, I'm less concerned whether God is on our side than whether we are on his. See how you flip that around? The, the, the bigger concern is not, not, not us and God being with us. The bigger concern is, is God and us being with God. I think the story can show us the way that we, we, you know, we often get things backwards in life. It's easy to. We've got all sorts of concerns and, and worries and pressures in life. Maybe you've got big decisions to make. Maybe in your work or in your family, there's lots of people relying on you. Maybe there's just lots of problems that weigh you down constantly. And when that happens, it's quite easy to have a big picture of me. And look at all this responsibility I've got to take on. Look at all the stuff I've got to do. Look at all that I have to endure. A big picture of me, that I'm at the center, that I'm the big thing in my life. And when I'm big in my own world, where does that leave God? It means it can be easy to to push God to the fringes, to box him into little segments of my life, to, to shrink God down so that he fits in with me and my concerns. Because that's what life is centered on for me. Big me. Little God. Remember the question we started off with though? Is our vision of God big enough? Ezekiel chapter 1 shows us it can't be. Life cannot be. Big me. Little God. That's got to be the other way, doesn't it? Big God. Huge God. Little me. Not, not because you know, I'm insignificant, not because we don't really matter, but, but simply because God is bigger. He's more awesome, more glorious, more powerful. He rides on the great firestorm chariot. He's all-seeing, all-knowing. He's ever-present. He is the awesome and terrifying God of the universe. And so when we see him, we're driven to our knees, friends. We're driven to our knees in worship. 
We're called to repent of thinking too much of ourselves and too little of God. We're urged to have a big vision of who God is and who God is in our lives. Why don't I pray that that would be us? Lord God Almighty, we see through Ezekiel's eyes here something of what you are like, and it is incredible. You are awesome. You are glorious. You are terrified. Lord our God, thank you that you are also our Father who loves and cares for us through the Lord Jesus. So please help us shape our vision of you. We pray that you would be big in our lives. We pray that we will be those who have a right vision of you. Help us to repent of thinking too much of ourselves and too little of you. Please drive us to our knees in worship of you. Please help us have a big vision, a rightly, rightly big vision of who you are. We need your help in this, Father. Please be with us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.